All right, fellas, we're back again, and uh, today I'm with a good friend. It's a, another time where I've taken too long to talk to somebody and used this as an excuse to reach out to them. I'm here with Jacob Matthews. Jacob, I don't know how to introduce you because I feel like you do everything. No, no, right. I, I just hang around, so I'm here. <laughs> no, I feel like you hang around everywhere. I also feel like I can't remember if it was on the podcast with... Lauren the other day we were talking about you I think it was either before that or during it but somehow sports came up and we were like mm. you know somebody that just enjoys all sports just the the idea of sports is Jacob like you play like everything I remember when we lived together you'd be up at like 3 a.m. watching Australian tennis or whatever <laughs> was going on but well uh, I'll tell I'll tell you as an avid fan of of the podcast it was actually the the super bowl episode with with, oh, with um, tim yeah with tim oh, so dang. that's that's when it came out i <laughs> i uh that that just shows you though that you're you're putting out good product i i commute fairly regularly down to to provo when i need to come down there and um this 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 shows a a good way to get me there so Hey, that's a uh, that's good to hear. And also, you listen to it more than I do, I guess. If I can't even remember. What, <laughs> hey, which one you know, I definitely listen to it more than your wife does. So yeah, she's um, she proudly does not listen to any of it. I I thought you know maybe I'll set the goal that that when I finally get on this podcast that I, we make it good enough to where she'll actually want to listen. But that might be too lofty of a goal. <laughs> I decided. She she usually whenever I'm done, she'll just be like, "Oh, how is so and so?" I'm like, okay, that's all. That's all you're getting, though. Yeah. Oh, uh, you mentioned earlier before we started the artificial bird sounds or whatever. I'm actually outside again. Oh, it's, uh, maybe it's legit bird sounds. It's it's actual bird sounds. I found. Uh, remember that park we played? Uh, I don't remember. If it was like baseball or softball or whatever. Yeah. But that's that's where I'm at. Is it that baseball diamond? I'm in the dugout because it's kind of fun. <laughs> hey, Just sitting here, you know, but. That's yeah. a good spot. It's a little chilly, but it's it's been good in the morning lately, so I've been trying to be outside as much as possible. I hate being inside. This no. morning, my uh, my dad was talking about spring coming, so I'm living at home with my parents, but um, I'm always skeptical of Utah Springs, Evan, so I hope you're right. I hope it <laughs> starts warming up for good, but I've, I've been burned too many times in March and April with well, you... the, with some cold weather. You grew up here, though, right? So it's you've you've yeah. seen it happen enough times. I, I should be used to it, but uh, you know, like a dog to the vomit, I just keep coming back <laughs> to these hopes of. I love summer. Summer's by far my favorite month, and I'm slowly learning to to love winter. But it's it's been a slow process, I'll tell you. Yeah, I still am not a big fan. <laughs> That's me growing up. Winter was seventy degrees, and I'm sure I've said that enough times. But yeah, it's. I mean. Now I see that this week it's supposed to be up in the 50s, and I'm just hyped. But yeah, like you said, you get burned too many times, and I'm sure this is the first of many. It's warming up times, you know. Yep. But, yep. So hey, it's but March. maybe we'll hopefully, be wrong. Uh, yeah, hopefully seems, we're seems wrong. Seems like uh, seems like the Earth's getting a little warmer these days. So. Hey, that's the trend, I guess. Yeah. My good old boy good... Milankovitch, predicting yeah. the cycles. Yep. But you never know how that actually goes with global warming. I don't know. That's that's a whole thing. I had a geom not geometry, a ge geology. That's the one. Teacher talked about rocks, and he said humans can't do enough to change the whole Earth 
whatever. Like the the cycles of the earth and this guy wants something Milankovic, a Russian guy, was like, it's been going like this forever and we can't change it. And it's like, yeah. you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's true. I also don't know <laughs> enough about anything to make an educated opinion on this, but we probably should be better about stuff. Yeah, well, I'm the same as you. I I can't speak from any scientific standpoints, um, and I'm not willing to stick my neck out there and predict anything. <laughs> but but I guess I can say that uh, you know one thing I've been thinking a lot about is just the idea of um, kind of what it means to to take care of a, a piece of land. I I I threw my hat in the ring at having a little garden this last year, this last summer. And man, I respect all of those grandmothers and grandfathers out there a lot more. Um, it was a little bit of a hot mess. I realized I'm, I, I've got a ways to go before I'm ready to have a child, but maybe even like a dog, I don't know, or, or a <laughs> guinea pig or something. We, we, we talked about eating guinea pigs before, but I don't even know if I can keep one alive. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just that idea of like stewardship, you know, like trying to take good care of what you've got, whether it's a house or a car or a garden or the earth and I'm striking out on all of them it seems like so <laughs> <laughs> well I mean I feel like animals are a little more resilient than plants and I know plants will try to keep themselves alive but I think it's easier to yeah. take care of a dog because yeah. I tried to grow some peppers uh was it I think it was last summer some peppers and tomatoes and just so everybody knows it's hard to do in Utah <laughs> but yep. didn't didn't work like three of them sprouted and then the rest died but there are people yeah. that do it, and I need to learn more about how, but I think gardening is difficult. Yeah, I was strictly potatoes because it's like you just stick them in the ground, and and then they just start repopulating. And they turned out pretty well, but uh, I did you know, have some peppers that didn't make it. Tomatoes, I got uh, one. The rest, <laughs> uh, the rabbits got. So, oh, there you um, go. But, you know, we got the one tomato, gave it to my grandparents. They were happy. They were politely happy. <laughs> they they gave me back some bigger tomatoes that they grew. So Oh, there you go. Like a parent at, at a child's yeah. drawing. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Great job. Yeah, they're like, this is great. This is the, the best tomato I've ever had. And I'm like, don't kid yourselves. But, but thank <laughs> you're, you're doing this on a professional level every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's that's... good, though, to, to get out there and try and. I don't know, get, you get blisters and you remember being a teenager and getting blisters for for work that you're not paid for and then now you're actually doing it voluntarily and so yeah. good little cycle of life moment, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, that's, I remember my favorite gardening stories. My dad was always trying to garden and in southern Nevada it was a little bit of a challenge but he successfully grew tomatoes a couple times and once grew some watermelon and after a while, I remember one Saturday morning, we went outside and he had pulled his watermelon and it was enormous and he was so proud of it. And then I don't know what happened after that, but it ended up sitting outside long enough to where it reeked. Oh, no. And so you're like, hey, man, why do you, you grow the watermelon? I think it, you could have just brought it in, cut it up and eat it after you picked it. But. Yeah, there's there's got to be there's got to be yeah some life moral in there, some aphorism that you can draw from that <laughs> when you when you're speaking at someone's graduation and you're a successful whatever then you can bring up the parable of the watermelon so oh if i'm speaking at a graduation i don't know what i've done in life or what kind of graduation that is i don't know <laughs> what it says more about hey i feel like a lot of the people say that you know like if 
if Victor Wooten or something, he's probably spoken and he's probably said, I don't know what I'm doing up here, you know, but I, I feel like a lot of times it's the people that think I have no business being here that end up being the guys that are inspiring, you know? Yeah, he's got a good one, actually, where he's, like, laying down some tasty bass grooves, but also giving a full speech at the same time. Which is, <laughs> Classic. Yeah, it's it's wild, but, yeah, I don't know. Hey, uh, uh, I, I heard that um, Chick Correa passed away. He did, just recently, I think a week or two ago, which is, yeah. I mean, he was doing good. I saw some interviews with him not even, like, a month or two ago, and he was a, a vibrant old man, still just playing jazz and having a good time so i was surprised to hear that he died because yeah he still he looked like he was doing great did you ever see him live i remember we almost went to one of his concerts no i never did he did one in salt lake it's some outdoor amphitheater and it's it's the same thing i say every time i didn't go to a show i should have gone there's a million things i should have went to but what do you do yeah i remember i remember that one that we almost went to i i didn't go but uh (laughs) I remember almost going, so. Yeah, there are a lot of those. He, if you watch some of his videos of him playing, it's it's a lot of fun, even just watching him recorded. I I thought he came to BYU. He I might probably have to fact check that. But I thought he came to BYU once, and uh, I think I also struck out there. I had plans to go and didn't, but. They, uh, I don't know how it is anymore, but BYU has had one of the best jazz programs in the country for a while, I think. And that's someone out there can fact check me on that, but it's at least really good. Hey, I'll tell you a story. Um, I I knew of jazz. Everyone kind of knows, you know, what jazz is or whatever. And and you you sit in enough elevators and you get a bad taste in your mouth <laughs> um, to some degree. But but uh, I was dating a girl years and years ago, um, and she was kind of a, a classically trained pianist. So she loved the structure. She loved music. Her, her family's incredibly musical. And so for a date, she's like, hey, I want to go to the, these jazz combos at BYU, right? It's just the students. They're playing combos, um, showing off their stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'll go. Like, I didn't really know what to expect. And she was nervous that I wouldn't like it. And we show up. And I'll tell you, Evan, it was like, it was like walking into a conversation in a language that I didn't know that I knew. But that I was just like, I know exactly what's happening here. And I don't play music, um, or at least That's I don't play it well. And so I, I just remember being enthralled. And I loved it, and she hated it. And <laughs> she, she, she ended up, we ended up leaving early because she wanted to, but we stayed a lot longer than she wanted to because I was just, I was amazed at the interplay and the improv. And I thought it was hilarious. I was, I was laughing, I was clapping, I was booing, you know, they, they always have the bad jokes. It's oh, essentially yeah. like a group of dads that don't have children. Um, so they've got all these puns. <laughs> and and then even in the music, they've got jokes, right? They'll, oh, yeah. they'll go back and forth with each other and in, in the solo steals and things like that. And I still don't know a lot of the technical aspects of jazz, but it's by far one of my favorite things is to be live on a jazz set. I think that's one of the best parts of jazz. And I don't know. And I listen to a decent amount of jazz and I really enjoy it, but... I also don't know a lot about it, but from the people I've talked to that do, the technical aspects are the part of it that aren't, that, that you know, people don't necessarily enjoy. It's, <laughs> you kind of know where you're at, but also context kind of thing, like any note can be right. And that's, yeah. I feel like that's a, whenever somebody says jazz, 
you know that's what everybody thinks they're like oh it's just a bunch of random notes and you don't it doesn't take any skill because you can play anything and it's okay but you still you get a background of like general music whatever but it's context and it's it's the working together aspect like you said it's a conversation people are all coming together to to make something and yeah you, and, and i wonder sorry to cut you off but no you're it's kind of like you know obviously blues is in the same family and i you you maybe know i wouldn't but uh someone famously once was asked you know like oh well what what is blues and they said something along the lines of if you have to ask you'll never know um and i don't know i w- i've wondered if that's true because i'm uh culturally at a disadvantage in the sense that i just didn't grow up hearing a lot of blues or jazz and not playing it and you know i i heber definitely doesn't have a swing and jazz joint um and so i've wondered you know you think is that something that's more innate or or is it something i like to think that everything can be absorbed to some degree but uh maybe it's kind of like learning a language that if you learn it early enough when your brain's plastic and you're absorbing everything then it sticks a lot better than if you try to learn it well i'm sorry there's actually victor wooten to bring it back to him he uh he does a ted talk about learning music as a language and he talks about how when he was a kid his i don't even know if i've said this on the podcast already so everybody out there i mean people have heard me just go on about victor <laughs> wooten for years anyway so you've all heard it but he does a thing where he talks about when he was a kid, when I guess when his mom was pregnant, he has like five brothers or something, and they were all in a band playing like guitar, yeah. drums, keyboard, yeah. whatever. And when their mom was pregnant, all of his brothers were like, he's playing the bass. That's why we need him. He's, he's here to play the bass. And so he just says he remembers them sitting him down. They'd be at band practice, and he'd just be there, and they'd be playing songs, and he'd be like, tapping along or whatever and then they gave him a mickey mouse little guitar or something he didn't know what he was doing but he was there and then eventually when they gave him a bass they were like okay put your fingers here do this and he's like i didn't know exactly what i was doing but all of a sudden it gave context to these songs that i had grown up knowing you know and he's like i all of a sudden understood them better i could speak as opposed to just hear it and he, it's a it's a funny argument too because he talks about how beginning band teaches like kind of teaches everybody out of that mindset where Oof. you go in and when you learn a language you're talking to your parents you know or you're talking to people that talk and that have for yeah. years and when you go into beginning band you're with one person that knows what they're doing and then a bunch of people that have no idea <laughs> and so it's a it's a little bit of a rough learning environment because yeah, one person's doing everything well and you're kind of just trying to glean what you can from them, but otherwise you're hearing a bunch of mess. But, well, it sounds like I needed uh, I needed more older siblings that were musical. Well, but, I, uh, I think about that as well as I just think about a lot of learning things. And for me, trying to learn music, attempting at least for the last several years, a lot of it's been unlearning. Whether it be societal, hey, this is good, this is bad, or me thinking something's cool and trying to replicate it and then basing what I think good is off of that, you know? Yeah, right. 
trying to trying to fit into a specific mold. I'm I'm all about not being put in a box. I uh, I was on a, a date this last week and we were arguing the merits of personality quizzes and I was rather fired up about how I, I hate being put in a box. So, <laughs> which, Oh, you're such I, I an mean, INTJ I, or whatever. It yeah, is. that's exactly. Yeah. I didn't know. I don't, I still don't really know. We took the test on the drive home. She, she was taking it and I was given responses. Um, she was taking it for me. She's like, okay, what is this? And I was like, ah, uh, and it's got the little slidey scale. You start on the black and, and then go to the green. I think it is. And it's got the, the different size circles. And so I'd be like, oh, mega green or, or, you know, baby black or medium size green or whatever. And so I, I ended up finding out I'm, I guess I'm a mediator according to the world, but according <laughs> to me, I'm, I'm just Jacob. I don't, I don't want to be put there you in go. any labels or boxes. So, yeah, you know, I feel that as well. When you define something, I feel like it loses a lot of its uh, mystery. And that's, what's fun about stuff is not knowing everything about it. Well, and you also cage it from becoming something bigger or different, you know? That's true. It's like the, the second that you stick a pin through it and, and put a little label, I'm imagining like the old school, you know, uh, displays where you've got all the, the butterflies or whatever. Like, it's like it's no longer a living butterfly. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's now exactly the way that, that it was when you pinned it down and it's never going to grow. It's never going to change. It's never going to morph. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, too free spirited as a bachelor, but um, <laughs> I like the idea of of still having the power to to become what I want to become and transition into a a better version, a bigger version, a different version. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, even with those tests, I have taken I think a couple. Some of them have been for classes, but I get something different every time. <laughs> and I think it's just because. You got it. I kind of just fly by the seat of my pants a little too much yeah. sometimes, but yeah. it's just like you feel different ways about different things all the time. But also, sure. Alexis, last time we were doing one of those, she was like, you never put anything in the middle. Like it's never, <laughs> it's never like undecided or <laughs> yeah, neutral. slightly yeah. agree or slightly disagree. It's either yes or no. And I'm like, I mean, that's how I feel about a lot of things though, you know? Yeah. It's like you hear it, and I'm not going to just be like, well, I mean, okay, but then conditionally if this happens. But no, that's – Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how many questions are on that test, probably like 40 or something. Some, some, someone listening is, is going to be mad at us. But um, there, was, there was only one of those 40 or so odd questions where I was right in the middle, and I intentionally said to her, I was like, you know what? Let's do this one in the middle since I haven't done any of those. So <laughs> I had to force myself to be neutral about something when in reality, you're right. Like, I feel like most of us are, are fairly passive in our opinion strength about a lot of things. And it's those few things that we're passionate about one way or the other that, that makes us humans, that makes us come alive. But I feel like we kind of live in a society that continually pulls us to a, a non-extreme well, I don't know. Maybe the opposite's also true. It seems like we've got a lot of extreme opinions out there, but but it seems like there's a lot of lack of individuality because of conformity in, in certain spheres, at least, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, even think about just taking that test. I don't know how many dates you'd been on with this girl, but think about how your answers <laughs> would have changed uh, yeah. had you been taking it by yourself. That's true. Like, yeah. I mean, when I do that kind of thing, I think about, oh, if I say this, will they think I'm a psychopath, you know? Or if I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, yeah. depending on the question. That's true. 
Yeah. You know, it was it was a blind date. It was actually a great date. Um, so uh, if she happens to be one of your listeners, then shout out. But um, I I will say I, I had to. And she mentioned she's like, hey, don't don't answer to impress me. And I was like, oh, trust me, I'm not. Like I, <laughs> I just told you that I'm not very service oriented, that I'm selfish. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I I do think I was talking to, to my dad again this morning about um, he he mentioned, you know, hindsight is 2020. Um, and I was like, I don't think it is. We always say that, but I think that's one of the, the most widespread fallacies. I think our memories are so unreliable and like, even for me, I think back on certain things and high school buddies or even like my parents will say something. I'm like, I I trust you more than I trust. I probably did say that or do that. (laughs) Or I'll read something in my journal. It's like, wow, I remember it very differently, you know, but at the time I wrote it down. And so that's got to be a little more accurate. I just don't think hindsight, I, I think sometimes, you know, perspective is really helpful and we look back and we think, yeah, that's, that's how it is. But then a lot of times we look back and our memories change based on different situations or emotions or we link memories. The brain's just a crazy thing, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I think a lot of everything to do with the brain is pretty dynamic, even how we remember things. Because I think based on how you're doing it at any given point, and then, like I said, it's a lot of stuff's in the moment. And that's why I don't trust those personality tests or anything that tells me what I am based on how I'm feeling at the time, you know? Yeah. And it's just everything's so dynamic and changing. And then, like you said, I really enjoyed it. Sorry, my voice is cracking all over the place, and I don't know why, but I really enjoyed how you said, uh, now I can't remember. I just sidetracked myself talking about my (laughs) voice cracking. Let's see, personality tests. Yeah, I don't know. I'll come back to it. Hindsight something. Who knows? Yeah, you'll go back and listen. I'll tell you what actually is 2020 is listening back to the recording. Yeah, there you go. That's a nice part about this, too. Then I know what I said. Yeah. Yeah. The other thought that I had, so last night I... I had a random dream where I was in Estonia. I've never been to Estonia. Um, and I don't really know if it was very accurate because like I said, I've never been to Estonia. I've met, I've met a few Estonians, but, um, yeah, I was with this Estonian family and they, uh, they were telling like an oral tradition story or something. And I'd read about it somewhere. I, I haven't actually read about it, but in the dream I had, and, and so I listened to them speak in Estonian, uh, and uh, anyway, I, I woke up and thought, also in the dream, they invited me to go Latin dancing, which I don't think is a thing in Estonia. But so that just goes to tell you that this was all over the place. But I woke up thinking it would be amazing to study dreams. I feel like, you know, Star Trek has it wrong. The last frontier is really dreams. And uh, so I, I just think it'd be fascinating to learn more about why we dream and and what's going on there and what you can kind of learn from your dreams. But who knows? No, yeah, I've been into a, this This is going to seem off topic for a second, but it's it's not. <laughs> I've been into researching. It all started with, a, and anyone that's talked to me recently, it's, it's one of those things where I get really into it, you know, and then you talk about it for a while. But I had a project where we had to study Native American traditional healing and that led yeah. me to psychedelic drugs because of like peyote <laughs> and stuff like that, you know. But you, you have you have to specify, Evan. It, it led you to to looking into to to study. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I read. I've done a lot. I've done a lot of drugs. 
there, but, there are a lot of no, things that lead it. people to psychedelic drugs, but uh, <laughs> in this case, I think the context is a little bit, a little bit more innocent. So yeah. So anyway, I was reading about that, and I learned a lot just about one. They've helped those communities to have fewer mental health problems. There's like way less rates of depression and whatever. There's a lot of studies that they're doing in the states right now about that. Hey, I'm catching some echo. I don't know if you're uh, pulling the speaker next to the microphone trick, but. Yeah, I've, I've just got you on my phone on speaker, so. Okay, it's, it's it has stopped. But anyway, I just thought we'd catch it, you know, before it got out of control. But uh, if it did, it's it's been great so far. I'm not trying to rag on you or anything, but. Hey, that's all right. Anyway. You're ragging on Apple, not on me, so. <laughs> so anyway, with. They're doing studies in the States, psychedelic drugs, a lot of them are illegal or schedule one or whatever for no reason because blah, 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 war on drugs. Anyway, that led me to reading about DMT, which is like dimethyltryptamine or something. And it's like a really crazy looking psychedelic drug. And it, well, I mean, it's not necessarily a psychedelic drug. It's a naturally produced substance in some toads and in the human body as well. But they speculate as to that's why we dream is that our body naturally produces DMT in some capacity. They haven't been able to track down where it's produced or how it's synthesized or where that happens. But I thought that was interesting. I was like, our brain isn't just still going when we're asleep. Well, it kind of is, but something's causing it. Yeah, some chemical stuff's going on. And it also explains a little bit as to why dreams are just so wild sometimes. It's like, man, <laughs> anything can happen up there. Yeah. In some ways, the ultimate entertainment. I mean, I sometimes I wake up and think, wow, that was that was great. I'd like to go back there, you know, and and think a little bit, learn a little bit more about fake Estonia from, from that <laughs> Latin family. dancing in Estonia. <laughs> I know. They're like, hey, we know Latin dancing is different than our culture, but you want to come? And I, I don't like dancing. Well, I love dancing. Everyone, I think. I think everyone at their core loves dancing. I, uh, I am insecure dancing. And so I, I opt out of situations where I would be required or even, you know, maybe invited to dance. But I remember in the dream, I was like, you know what? I'm in Estonia. Why not? So I said, yes. And we never, (laughs) we never got anywhere, but, um, the cute old grandma had invited me and how can you say no to a, a fictional old Estonian grandma? So yeah, there you go. Hey, let's let's dig into that a little bit. Your insecure <laughs> dancing, that is something I also feel. But yeah. I've been on a big kick for the last several years about insecurity and yeah. other people. And you think about it, and it's like when you dance, what context, like where are you? And I keep saying context, but I think mm-hmm. it, it applies here. Well, what are the other people going to think? The idea is that everybody's dancing, you know, and you should be like, hey, I'm not that good at this, but... That's all relative. I'm going to have a good time. Yeah. I, uh, so I was down in Suriname, South America. Most, most people have not been to Suriname. Highly recommend it. Uh, I guess it's not a great tourist destination, but there are a lot of good people down there. Um, and so I was, I was down there, and I was with a group of people. Um, we were at a church dance, right? And... Um, it was no good. I, I, uh, I, I did my best to, to be a part of the group. It was some birthday party. I jumped in and it was just a hot mess. Like, um, 
partially they were much better at dancing than I was. Like their their the music was unfamiliar to me to some degree, but then also they just um they knew what they were doing. And so I did it and they were polite, right? I, I mean they were obviously aware that I was subpar. Um, and they were like trying to show me things. It was amazing because what was so simple to them, they're like, just do this. And I was like, I like, I don't think you understand. Like physically, <laughs> I don't know how to do that. And I'd try to do that. And they're like, no, 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 do this. And I'm like, yes, I can see what you're doing. I can see that I'm not doing it. <laughs> but everything inside of me is trying to mimic what you're doing and it's just not working. But um, I'll tell you, I was, while I was down there, I was reading a book that I'd read before. It's actually one of my five most influential books I've my dad challenged me to have kind of like a watershed library of what are the five books that have most changed your life. And this one's about, it's Brene Brown, who I used to hate, now I love. Um, but it talks about that idea of vulnerability, specifically with dancing. And um, she talks about having dance parties with her kids in the kitchen and things like that. And I just thought, you know, I got to change that at some point. And so I've tried slowly to opt into more situations where I force myself to get out there and move around. And quite frankly, most of the times it's fun, even though I'm like, you have those thoughts where you're like, I look like a doofus, but you're like, you know what? I'm just not going to care. And if they're judging me, then that's their deal. And so I'm not there yet, but I'm on the journey, I oh, guess I, I'll say. I feel like it's, it's a never ending journey. It's a, I, I say that all the time and I think about it a lot. But if you listen, there was like two podcasts ago. I was out here at the same park, sitting there, and then some lady walked by really close. I think she's actually here right now. I'm. I think I'm looking oh. <laughs> at her. But I was. Uh, I just stopped talking and I edited out like a minute of silence as she walked by. And oh, really? I've been thinking about it for years now. Just like, and I remembered what I enjoyed you talking about how putting labels on something stops it from growing, stops it from becoming something potentially better, and just progressing and i think american culture is very much that way like if you think about south american culture and i don't know much about suriname and i don't know how latino they get with their uh traditions but in latin culture it's very much so with dancing it's like everybody dances that's not yeah something you don't do like you dance and even people that are you wouldn't think would dance uh, they just they do and they're they bad dance. at it yeah. but that doesn't mean anything to anyone yeah everyone's yeah. just like you dance but <laughs> that's true yeah yeah you just think We're, about american culture forcing us into a box and sorry i, I just I cut know. you off no i was gonna say the exact same thing that we're kind of we've kind of sterilized a core element of culture i mean when you think about culture any culture around the world Usually you've got you've got language, you've got religion, um, you've got food, definitely, and dance is always there, right? Like, it's often a, a big part of how you celebrate or how you mourn or how you worship or how you connect. And I think that we're, uh, I mean, some people would probably argue with me and say, no, the dance scene in America is alive and well. I, there are probably a, a couple of shows on TV that attest to that. But in my mind, it's like, yeah, but is that really part of our culture? Like, what's an American cultural dance, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I guess I did learn, like, line dancing in elementary school in Heber. But, <laughs> but where's, the, where's the, the room for improvisation in line dancing? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember much other than I was shorter than all the girls. And <laughs> it, I remember, yeah, I, I usually didn't get paired up with the people I wanted to, so... 
Yeah, I just, I feel like, and I'm not trying to slam on America. I guess I will in a couple ways here, but <laughs> I just, I feel like in so many ways you think about what America has done to like the global environment and everything with overly sexualizing things and overly yeah. putting like, this is the norm. This is the standard of just anything like the quote unquote American dream. Yeah. Like so many people strive for that to have a job you go to nine to five you just you have a family you have kids and it's like there's never going to be a one size fits all this is what you should strive for for everybody that that'll never work yeah, yeah it's interesting you bring that up i've thought about that a lot i was um in my my old job when i was traveling and doing stuff um we were over in greece and a good friend of mine uh I was I was with him and we were both kind of volunteer leaders for this youth youth trip where we were trying to help people get exposed to cultures and and ways of thinking and he asked the question to the group but he said we all know about the American dream but we were in Greece and he said what's the Greek dream what do you think the Greek dream is and we were all stumped right and and I've been to Greece I think well three times now um and different parts and love Greece one of my favorite places but I'm still trying to figure that out. Like, what's the Greek dream? And and it shattered my mind because I, I think I'm the classic American that just thinks, well, everyone has the American dream. Some people are just not great at, you know, achieving it or, or realizing or whatever. And that's just not true. Um, and I've slowly started to realize as I travel, like, what's what's the Greek dream or what's the, you know, the, the Surinamsa dream or or whatever it is. And I think as you learn the aspirations and the the positive cultural elements and values of, of an individual country, then all of a sudden it makes sense that they do things differently. And I feel that it's bad that, that yeah, America's kind of pervasively spread its ideology, positive and negative. Um, and whether it, what's positive and what's negative, I'm not the moral authority to say, but I can say that it's a little bit sad to see that seep into so many cultures where you lose, I think, really precious elements of, their individuality you know what i mean oh yeah well that's like my dad when he was in denmark i don't even know how many years ago it was in the 80s but they he said they had just gotten coca-cola or oh, no, really? no no they didn't have it yet and there was uh -huh. no fast food there wasn't any of that and then he went back oh five or so years ago and he was like it was a different place like there's burger king and taco bell on every corner in it so i mean yeah, I feel like America and the Industrial Revolution were kind of stomping on culture a little bit. <laughs> but, but but I will say this on the flip side, so that we're fair to to what we've maybe this is full circle. But sometimes I think on the opposite side, I'm I'm unfair as an American, thinking I want this culture to stay the way that in my mind it's always been. Right? I, I think mm. oh well, I want Suriname to stay kind of this latino caribbean you know indian indonesian mix without american culture but then i'm i'm doing the same thing you know where i'm taking that butterfly and sticking a pin and labeling it and saying no no don't become americanized like no mcdonald's for you like <laughs> who am i who am i to limit globalization that that whether i mean i guess if we're forcing it on them that's a problem but if they're choosing it then yeah, they should be able to fine. say you know what we're done with uh, Latin music. Not that I think they should or that they will, but if they chose that, then, you know, good on them for saying T-Pain from me here on out. <laughs> I, like, I, 
I, I guess I, I just have to be careful as an American not to say, hey, take our culture, but also, hey, don't take any of our culture. Like yeah, both, that's true. Both are a little bit uh, obstinate and, I don't know, maybe condescending. Yeah, that's, well, I mean, I guess I'd never thought of it that way. Like, maybe they do want some parts of it. Maybe it is nice. Maybe fast food is a... Uh, is convenient and kills you. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna say slowly, but mildly, rapidly. There. Yeah. Yeah. But it's fast. Uh, so, you know. I mean, that's the thing, though. There are some conveniences that have come with that, and I mean, just like you sure. said, I think it's important that everybody picks what they want. But just with the American, the history of America, and how, I guess, yeah. Europeans have done things. We're not exact. They they haven't exactly uh, asked <laughs> if if they want. Hey, do you want Christianity? Over here in yeah. the Americas, it's been a little yeah. bit of a different story. But hey, Jacob, uh, I'd hate to wrap it up, but unfortunately, no, no, we need good. to. Yeah, but uh, we we need to do a part two one of these days because I feel like I could talk to you forever. Hey, I'd but, love to. I it's uh, I'll just end with this. I know that you sometimes give the last word, but I I just say holistic thoughts, keep dreaming. You know. Find find your jazz, even if it's not jazz, and then uh, yeah, maybe ask before you you go into a country and <laughs> bring a McDonald's or Coca Cola. So hey, that's good enough. I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> we'll leave it at this. <laughs> <laughs>